Logical Progression, Year 3, Lesson 2. Bismillah ar-Rahman ar-Rahim, alhamdulillahi rabbil alameen. Wa sallallahu wa sallama wa baraka anabina Muhammad wa ala alihi wa ashabihi ajma'in. Allahumma la sahla illa ma ja'atahu sahla wa anta tajlul hazna idha shayta sahla. Allahumma a'inna ala dhikrika wa shukrika wa husna ibadatika ya rabbil kareem. Assalamu alaikum wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuh. So it's good to see you guys again. Alhamdulillah. What's the news of the week so far? Any good news? Any interesting? I had a tough week. I had a custom. I had a, I had a week. I've been, I've been grafting all week. Grafting. Actually, you know, I've been thinking about that. When you say grafting, it sounds like it's quite rough, isn't it? Northern grafting. I've done more like grafting. Which is like the posh version of, of grafting. Yeah, it's not proper grafting. So I've been grafting. And you know what? I've been grafting all week in this, Yanni Thob. And I thought to myself, I'm going to carry on wearing it. For the, the, the dars as well, just to show, prove to myself that this is also grafting as well. Not grafting, grafting. And the kids also, mashallah, they did some grafting as well this week. It's been a tough week. I need to cut my nails all dirty, yeah. Did they show the nails on the video, Shaz? Hmm? Did they show the nails on the video? We can zoom in. We can zoom in. <laughs> she has what happened to my mum, by the way? Did the tooth come out? No. What do you mean confidential? No, no, you didn't tell me, Shaz, seriously. I can't concentrate. If you don't tell me that, I can't concentrate. Did you take your tooth out? I'm not saying nothing. Alright, so anyway, I've got good news, alhamdulillah. Um, the good news is, is that tonight dinner is sponsored by Jelani's, mashallah. Again. Uh? Oh, no, no, sorry, no, sorry, sorry, sorry. My dinner. <laughs> my, my big button, big button, please. <laughs> I just want to say that, that mashallah, Bob's has some great burgers. Although, Bob's, I want to say, mashallah, Bob's burger is probably the one the best gourmet burgers, you know, like clean burger. Not like a Kansas burger. Kansas burger is all messy and lovely and mayo and cheese and heart attack and everything, yeah? Whereas, like, his one is, like, you know, all kind of posh and neat and stuff. Better meat, better quality stuff. But I want to say, Bob's, yeah, in Canada, they kill burgers, man. I just want to talk about burgers because I've dressed like a burger today, yeah? So I thought I'd just actually talk a little bit about burgers. I went to Canada. I tried out every burger that they had in Toronto, Okay. And my favorite is without doubt Hero Burger. So I just want to let you know, you guys know. Next time you're in, in Toronto, you find out Hero Burger, halal one, because it's a haram version and a halal version. Okay? Don't ask me, Yanni. That's just the way it goes, okay? Don't, Yanni, don't judge. All right? Go to the halal one, ask for a Hero Burger. It is next level burgers. And so if anyone has any good burger recommendations, please put them into the portal under the tab resources. And um, I wanted to say this is obviously a week of news, isn't it? This was a week of news, and I asked. I, I've decided that every dars, so we have a new we have a new addition to this. I know you wanted a new jacket, but I, I didn't bring a jacket in this this time. It doesn't fit. Roho <laughs> dang! What a shot! <laughs> no need for that, Bobs. No need for that, Yara. Subhanallah. Subhanallah. Anyway. What was I saying? Ah, that in every dars now, at the beginning, we're going to have a what's the news session where we have a quick yani, review of what the news is. 
And so this week, of course, there was a minute silence for whatever it was. Okay. And so I also believe that there should be a minute silence as well. I'd like to hold a minute silence for India. Uh, and the reason for that is because uh, Pakistan, despite having no place to play cricket, we are way ahead of them in test cricket. And we are the champions at the moment, Yani, on the world scene in form. And I think we should hold a minute silence for India, about how lame they are. And uh, I think that we should impeccably observe this one minute silence of the failure of their, of their system, bullying the Jamaicans, bullying the West Indies, bullying yani, the rest of the world. And if there are any Indians watching, then, you know, join us, join us Yani. Come back to your ancestral homeland, the park part of the, of the southern uh, Asian subcontinent. And um, there you go. Is that fine talk, yeah? I'm so happy at Pakistan's form at the moment. We're battering New Zealand. We've battered Australia. We're nearly number two position, I think. We're, we're number three at the moment. India are like number 17 or something. <laughs> anyway, should we do some fiqh as well? Should we do some fiqh? Yes, you want some fiqh? Huh? You want to continue Pakistan and politics and cricket and... No? Okay. Burgers? No? Okay, khalas, let's do some fiqh then. Today is a nice lesson, mashallah. You know, one thing which I like about this lesson is that you'd look at the notes and you'd think it says uh, the notes at the moment obviously tell you what we're going to cover today. It says that whatever comes out of the two exits, meaning the front and back, is what breaks the law. And you must think that's the most boring session on the history of fiqh. Yet this week's lesson is lessons on virtually everything other than that point. Because this is... This is Shaykh Al-Uthaymeen, alayhi rahmatullah. Guys, awesome. You're going to see some soft, proper, proper behavior today. Okay, beautiful stuff, which reminds me, I was reading it, reminds me of stuff that we were teaching in a class on Adab seven, eight years ago, now being taught in the chapter of At-Tahara, because when the knowledge comes, you just grab it and you take advantage. Right, so, I think the last thing that we said from the lesson last week is that, um, by the way, I don't even know what, what the text is. Shaz, read the text to me. So the text is, uh, ablution is invalidated by, number one, anything that exits from the urethra or the anus, okay? So that's the front and the back. We'll just go from the, for, for the time being. Um, actually, let me just read it. Yeah. Anything that exits from the urethra or the anus, number two, any amount of urine or feces or large amounts of filth which exits from other parts of the body. And number three, losing consciousness except for a slight amount of sleep while sitting or standing. Our focus today will be on number one and number two. Um, so just to say that the... Uh, uh, just one second. The, what, what we did say, I think the last thing that we said last week was that there's two types of... Um, uh, the, the invalidators can be described, put into two categories. That which there's consensus over and that which there's different difference of opinion over, okay? And we're now going to cover the issues of which there's no doubt, lots of yani, Qur'an, Sunnah, clear, and that's obviously to do with feces and urine, and then we're going to start talking about where the difference of opinion is. That's going to be com com coming today. So the first statement is that which is anything which exits from the urethra or the uh, anus. Actually, in the Arabic, يَنْقُضُ مَا خَرَجَ مِنْ سَبِيلٍ Okay? So anything which goes from the sabil, and the sabil means a path, okay? And the reason they called it a path, right, is because obviously that's the route that they're taking. And the technical terms is the, uh, the urethra, right, which is the urinary channel, tube, yeah? 
and in, in a male, it's uh, how's it referred? Is it, is it what's it called in the male? Uh, it's just male urethra. Is you know what's the urethra? So is the urethra the same in males and females, and then the urethra in males and females as well? And you just say male, female, between, in between both of them. So the male and female urethra is basically where the urine comes out of, all right, in the male and the female. So we're talking about the front, and then we're talking about the anus, the anal canal, which is where one defecates from at the back. These are the two passages which are, cons are considered when we're talking about fiqh. Now, What's essential, of course, uh, is that we, we also talk about, these are the obvious things, but there are going to be some non-obvious things as well. So if you are approved or, or uncomfortable with these kind of concepts and you feel embarrassed and so on, then this is the kind of time to leave. Otherwise, we are going to get very, very frank. Uh, the, only, the, only, the only mistake I, I, made, I made is I didn't have time to get some nice diagrams. Okay, <laughs> right? Because I love doing diagrams of these parts. Yeah, and they're very, very uh, educational. And the reason is, is because I'll tell you something, I, ha I feel this responsibility for my shoulders. I feel like a Samson sometimes, yeah? Is it Samson? Was it Samson? The guy who carried the world on his shoulders? Hercules. Who's Samson then? Delilah, He's strong as well. He was strong as well. Yeah, as long as he's strong, that's okay. Yeah? So, uh, I feel like I have to... Who's the guy who carried... Oh, Hercules. Okay. I feel like a Hercules. Okay? I have to teach the people their deen. And I've got to teach the people their dunya as well. It's true, isn't it? People don't know. People don't know. And so I feel it obligatory upon me, upon the youth and upon the elderly, to make sure that they understand that, you know, that their, their anatomy, especially their private parts, because that's where we're so ignorant. Okay? For example, the, ure the urethra for the man is a single tube, and a female has two tubes, for example. Okay? So the male, they will, for example, ejaculate, and they will urinate through the same tube. And that's significant. That will come clearer later on when it comes to the issue of fiqh. As for the woman, she has two, of course, separate tubes. All right? And she only obviously urinates through one of them. Most men don't know that. I hope women, I hope they know that. Otherwise, we are in bigger trouble than I thought. And the world is a lot bigger than that I can carry on my shoulders. So, those are the, uh, those are the basic anatomy points that we need to, to have. All right. Uh, so, where do we start? Min sabil. So this is now referring to any form of uh, either the front or the uh, back, and that which comes out, ma meaning that which exits, and that which exits is referring to that which, according to the Hanbalis, is referring to that which is uh, ordinary, al mu'atad, normal, and that which is not normal. What's normal? Urine and feces. So. What did we say? We said then therefore that the sabil, meaning the path, meaning the root, meaning the whatever they call it, all right? This is referring to the back and the front, the urethra and the anus. Now, what comes out, ma kharaja, anything that exists, that is according to the Hanbalis when they say that, they are referring to everything that comes out, ordinary and not ordinary. Ordinary, of course, is urine and feces, okay? Al-mu'atad, kalbawl, wal ghaiq, wal rih min al-dubur. Now listen carefully. That's referring to urine from the front, feces from the back, and wind. Okay, passing with flatulence, passing wind from the back. These are the three normative things which come out of the two passages and they break the wudu. And that's because Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala in the uh, verses of wudu, 
tells that you should do it, you should make wudu. And if any one of you wants to go for basically a number two to defecate, this is a reason for you to go and make wudu. And the other evidence is in the hadith of Safwan ibn Ahsal radiallahu ta'ala anhu when he said that wudu should be made from when you urinate, when you defecate, and when you go to sleep. When you go to sleep, and we'll cover that later. And also in the hadith of Abu Huraira, and this hadith, by the way, uh, the ayah that I mentioned is of course Surah Al-Ma'idah verse 6, and the hadith that I just mentioned is the hadith of, uh, which hadith is that? The hadith of Safwan, the hadith of Safwan on page 241, just so I'm just going to give you the complete translation. Amarana Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, the Messenger of Allah sallallahu alayhi wa commanded us that if we are upon a journey or we take off our, uh, our khufs, okay, then uh, we are okay. Yani that's, that's, uh, we, are, we are able to wipe and so on. The only time we need to make wudu is if we fall into a state of sexual impurity or we go to the toilet for defecation or urination or we go to sleep. And this hadith is narrated by Imam Ahmed and Nasa'i. And then the other evidence, back now to the uh, topic at hand, on page 269, the hadith of Abu Huraira, radiallahu anhu, and Abdullah ibn Zayd, both of them. They said, do not leave, la hatta yasma'a sultan aw yajida riha. Very nice hadith, which has so much fiqh behind it, which we'll cover later on. But basically, translation of the hadith, that he should not leave, meaning the prayer line, until he hears a sound, or smells something okay and this is referring to the ruling of a person who is in prayer and waswas comes to him okay and then or her and then they feel that they uh, have passed wind and so that can happen uh, uh, or actually this is not just for the prayer this is for every scenario where you feel not sure you think you felt something it could be residual wetness it could be you know your underpants or whatever messed up or whatever it could be the point is is that the Prophet said that a person does not need to leave to go and make wudu make wudu until he hears a sound confirming the fact or smells a uh, an unpleasant smell which also confirms the fact feeling by itself means nothing and this is a very uh, important principle for us in our lives because we are always the only thinking did this something happen not whatever am i in not sure not so uh, this deen wallahi yani, is that it's so many if you study the deen so many clear indications that certainty Certainty is never removed by doubt, and doubt is everywhere, all the time. And so that's why the way you should be dealt with. Yani that, that frankly, that blatantly, you put yourself in a position, say, listen, and I, I, and I mean this as a, an advice to you in everything. I mean this in an issue of, uh, did you go to sleep or not? Did you break wudu or not? Did you pray three or four or not? I want you to know that the majority of the time, the waswas is shaitan playing you, because that's how he destroys a person. So the, what, the most important thing you've got to do when you get that waswas to take control. Alright? Not panic. Because a lot of people then panic and that increases the waswas and whatever. So when the waswas comes, you say, right, I'm in a situation of doubt, but I'll tell you what I'm not going to let happen. I've got some doubt, but I'm not going to let shaitan play me now. Alright? So I know very simply, okay, I'm not sure if I did three or four, so I'm just going to pray three. That's it. I'm going to assume that I've done three, and then I'm going to do another one to make it four. That's in prayer, for example. And in wudu, you'll be even more hardcore. You'll say to yourself, right, okay, did I do this, did I do that? Well, you know what? If I had, I would remember it immediately. If it was so important, if it was so obvious, I would have. And so I don't need to sit there thinking, racking my brain, racking my brain, 
etc., etc. You have to, obviously, not reckless, not yani, just you know, chuck things in the air and just assume nothing. You can't be just completely irresponsible. But the idea is, is that you'll see with this hadith, it's such a, a, a frank hadith. Only if you smell an unpleasant smell or you hear a sound, it doesn't matter what you feel. And that's very interesting. Yeah. Very good. Well done. Exactly. Zafar asked a question and he answers it himself very well as well. So that there's no doubt here, okay, what we're talking about. We've got two scenarios. You have a person who definitely knows they've passed wind. If they know that they passed wind, they felt that they've passed wind definitely, then it doesn't matter whether they smell anything or hear anything. Is that clear? The scenario we're talking about is when there's uncertainty. If there is any uncertainty, did I, did I not, whatever, uncertainty gets thrown against the wall and you look for the sound, or you hear, you look out for the, hear out for the sound, or the smell, and that's it. Okay, so those are the, those are the um, agreed upon points, there's no doubt about it, yes. Uh, do you know, does the same apply when you're doing wudu? Let's say you think that you've watched it once instead of three times or whatever. So the wudu will be, wudu will be different, a bit different, the only time it apply in wudu is if you're talking about where you've watched it. Okay, not the number because once you've washed it once, then the obligatory has been obtained. So of washing it a second time and a third time is a sunnah anyway. So it doesn't matter whether you you mess up the numbering as long as you've washed it once. And if there was like not sure whether I washed this part or not, then you can see that. So if you're watching yourself, for example, did I wash this part and you run your hands over it, okay, and your hands wet, what you don't need to do after you've washed it is now to do like a 10 second examination inspection, you know? Look around each angle and what this, that, whatever. Because I put my hand over it, my hand's wet, and in a normative scenario, that's going to wet this area. And I don't need to worry about the one in a million where, or the one in 10,000, or even the one in 100, where my hand skipped and jumped over the, you know, whatever, and missed the little part, and I got away with it. Yeah, so be it. It's based upon one's knowledge, upon one's norms. A different scenario if a person is very lax and whatever, he's just one of these guys. You know, you find these people who make wudu. These people need to very be very, very careful, sticking their arms and whatever underneath their, sticking the foot underneath the sink, not even going near it with the hands, just playing it kind of very easy. So those are the al-mu'tad, the normative things that come out of these, the three things that come out of these two passages. What about ghair al-mu'tad, the abnormal, the abnormal? So there are a number of abnormal things. The first and the most common is vaginal flatulence, okay? Vaginal flatulence. Basically, passing of wind from the front, okay? Meaning from the vagina for the woman. And on this issue, there is a difference of opinion between the scholars. Their ilama differ. So, for example, you have those that said that it breaks wudu. It breaks wudu. And this is the position of the Hanbali school. The Hanbali madhab, it says that vaginal flatulence breaks wudu. And the other ilama, the other ilama, they said uh, that it doesn't break wudu. And Sheikh Uthameen, he mentions, he mentions, and the references are there and, uh, in Al-Insaf, and Insaf, of course, is, that, is a humbly fiqh uh, book. Now you know that we've got no text for this. We don't have a nas from the Quran and Sunnah that says definitively that this breaks the wudu. So now we need to use ijtihad. Is, it, yani, is there an analogy to something else? Now you can see why the, the Hanbalis, they are 
making it the they said it breaks the wudu they've made a straightforward qiyas they said that what comes from the back as flatulence has broken the wudu okay and what comes out as a waste product from the back breaks the wudu and then we have a front part the waste product is the urine and the flatulence is the same like you've got like a match do you understand so this is what they said the this is something which happens um common it's not as un, it's not as rare as people may think it is rare is in a man it happens from a man not obviously it's not vaginal flatulence it's whatever it is flatulence what do you call that penal flatulence yeah it happens by the way i've got no idea even thinking about that any just is just the yeah, any painful Allah, yeah, any painful that yeah but apparently it happens zafar give us a figure it's not what do you mean it's not in the medical books it's in the fiqh books brother it's it's wala adunnuha takhruju min ar-rijal allahumma illa nadiran jidda shaykh uthaymin he says and i don't think it comes out of the men allahumma ya allah except very little that's a brilliant statement allahumma illa nadiran jidda okay so uh, uh, it's a possibility it's a possibility maybe i don't know okay maybe we shouldn't go into so much hypothetical uh points now just listen i'm just going to carry on that same argument the, the argument of the people who said it doesn't break uh it doesn't break the wudu they give some more examples so what else could come out um stones from the front and the back apparently okay the back is obvious all right um so there's two types of stones. First of all, kidney stones. And the kidney stones is a very common uh, thing. If obviously, if you have kidney problems, then it will come out. And of course, that comes out of the front, the vagina, or the pee. Or the, it comes out through the urethra all the time. So that's something which is quite normal. But then there might be other stones. Other stones meaning something that you've swallowed, for example. And that would be defecated. Because if it comes out the front, you'd be dead, yeah? I'm telling you now. I hope that that comes out the back. Otherwise, it's all over and it's all finished. Okay? So that's that. And also, Sheikh says that if a person, for example, swallowed a seed, and I think that's what he means anyway, okay? Um, so, so, this is the interesting point. Do these break the wudu? Sheikh Uthaymeen here, in Al Mumti, right here, he leaves it open ended. He doesn't give a position. But I know, I know, that his position is that anything other than Al Mu'atad, meaning the normative stuff, okay? that comes out from the front or back, for him does not break wudu. And his argument for it, we're going to see a little bit later on, but the argument is his principle is going to stay solid all the way. The wudu is a state. And once you enter into that state, you are now pure. And if you are going to break someone's state, someone's constant state, you're going to have to do it with a clear evidence from the Quran and Sunnah. Because, and this is very interesting, you enter into that state with the Quran and Sunnah. Wudu is something you enter into using a dalil shari'i. Because wudu is not normal. You don't walk around and be in wudu. You've got to do things, and those things have been obligated by the shari'a in a very specific way, what we call dalil shari'i, an evidence from the Quran and Sunnah, in a very specific way. You enter into that state. To break you from that state, you also need to have dalil shari'i. And in the absence of a clear dalil shari'i, a clear text then you remain in that state and so this is the basic argument and he's going to continue that all the way through so just remember that it's going to keep on going okay now listen also when we're talking about those things which come out from the front and the back we can divide them into two categories 
those which are pure, those which are impure, such as feces, urine, and so on, and those which are pure. Now, pure, what would be, for example, stone, pure. What else? Seed, yes. Use your imagination. Mud, yeah? MashaAllah. <laughs> if you're a baby, yeah, maybe. That's what they do, eat mud. Or if your bear grows and you do eat mud as well. There's something which is super obvious. Something which you're not thinking of. Because mashallah, you are all, yani, Siddha Sada, nice Sharif Bande. Okay? But something you need to let your imagination let it go. Sperm? <laughs> I wonder if that, oh, dang, you went there. Okay? What's sperm? Najis or not? Sperm itself. Is sperm impure or pure? Is it najis or tahir? The majority of the scholars, of course, say it's tahir. Okay? It's tahir. It is pure. And so therefore, that raises the question. Does something which comes out, which is pure, does it invalidate the wudu as well? Such as the impure? What are the impure things? Let's do the impure things. Uh, 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 feces? Urine, yeah. What else? From the from the uh, uh, from the uh, front and the back passages, blood, blood could come out. Okay, is blood impure? Blood is pure or impure? There's of course difference of opinion. We're going to be coming to it in a couple of weeks' time. Blood is pure, inshallah. Okay, blood is pure. Otherwise, we'll be in big trouble if we are, uh, uh, you know, the Mujahideen itself, there would be no jihad, no nothing. People out there would be, would be a pacifist religion. This is the most practical deen on the, on the planet. There are so many evidences actually for the purity of blood. It's a very good discussion and it's, it's a scholarly difference of opinion. We'll come to it. So let's not include blood for the sake of argument for now. Okay, what else? Uh, yes, wind. I don't even know actually. Is it? I mean, I don't expect anyone to want to in, 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 try and find out whether it's pure or impure, right? <laughs> and you do beat your brother up when he does it like that, isn't it? Yeah? Because always big brothers do it to the younger ones, isn't it? Yeah? Did that happen to you, Bobs? Yeah? No? Okay. So, uh, but I don't know whether that's pure. I don't even know. Can you get purity in gas? I think, yeah, that, that makes most sense to me. It's closer to impure because it does have particles. It is not fully complete, dissolved, uh, 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 whatever the word is. Uh, there's got there's still some kind of solid state in there. Is that right? No. It's not, is it? <laughs> what are you on about? You saw a YouTube video saying that wind. Why do people prefer their own I'm just saying that Amjad Chowdhury, okay, has <laughs> <laughs> just said that, just for the record, he just said that he saw and watched a YouTube video on why people prefer their own, and he mentioned the F word, I hate that word, okay, the F word meaning for flatulence, I mean, the rough version of flatulence and wind, yeah, the one that begins with F and sounds like art, yeah, that one, he said, he said that in that video, why do people prefer it? 
You didn't tell us the conclusion of this video that you were watching, mashallah. Because you just <laughs> don't send it to me, no thank you. Yeah. I have a I have a life, yeah, okay. Uh, Zafar, give us the theory behind the, the wind. If it was frozen, what would happen? If nitrogen was applied to someone passing wind, what would happen? If it was solid in any way, yeah, you'd have the, you'd have the <laughs> <laughs> well, bro, we don't know, man. We don't know. I think there's a difference between there's a difference between, you know, they're what particles? Gaseous. Gaseous particles. That's why in my in myself, I didn't say that it's impure outright. I don't like the idea of a solid concept. It doesn't sound right. Does anything that smells bad, is it impure? No, of course not. Does anything, as Zafar says, is anything which smell bad, is that impure? Mm. And the answer is no, of course. No. <laughs> <laughs> that needs to be looked into. Sprouts. Sprouts. Honestly, Yara, where's he gone? Where, 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 what are we talking about? Where are you gone, Yara? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. This is, mashallah, such a nice lesson today. Yeah. If it was the verb, yeah. Yes. And there's a smell. And that smell is a result of the bile and the X and the Y. In a gaseous form. It's not gaseous, it's vapor, isn't it? It's vapor. It's oh, vapor, it's, va- it's, it's vapor. You know why it's vapor? It's not gas. It's vapor because it has a taste. You can taste it in your mouth if you burp. Can you taste a gas? <laughs> it's interesting. Well, I don't know. I mean, he did not include it. Okay, Sheikh here, he did not include it as the... Um, he didn't include it. But what he did include, okay, is prostatic fluid, okay, and that's something that we're going to be looking at, al-wadi and al-madi and al-mani. Mani is pure. These are the three types of fluid which are uh, emitted in men and women uh, before sexual activity and so on, so, or, or wet dreams, etc. And so the two of them are impure, the sperm is pure. We'll be covering that in detail, don't worry about that. So the point here is that there, there are uh, more than just one thing, okay? We know that there's more than just one thing uh, in the issue of, of what comes out. There is a consensus of the scholars on the three and the difference of opinion upon the others. The class position is that the others do not because they do not have a clear evidence from the Quran and Sunnah. So therefore, if a kidney stone came through your urethra, it would not break your wudu. And if there was vaginal flatulence, as, as women have quite regularly, it does not break wudu because of the because why because of the lack of an evidence. The next point then is what's the shaz uh, me the thingy. It says uh, any amount of urine or feces or large amounts of filth which exits from other parts of the body. Okay, now what's this part? This is of course a fiqh text which was written a long time ago, but it's predicting and talking about anyone. Stomas, correct. Stoma and ostomies. Okay? And it is referring to vomiting as well. We're going to talk about that as well. So I just want to make it clear, an ostomy and a stoma, all right, for those who don't know. So for example, you've got some kind of problem, 
your or you might have cancer or well, what was actually the main reason for a, a thing a cancer that the yeah cancer so for example cancer and your urethra is gone for example just gone or your anal canal is gone and so we now need to obviously to keep you alive to get the waste product out and so we need to create basically a false exit and so therefore we'll make a hole in the body all right and we will try to directly connect to the large intestine or the small intestine and then we will then make that the exit and basically you will defecate and you will urinate out of this opening all right now obviously this is a very well advanced area uh, of medicine today and social care and uh, primary health care and whatever has a great massive huge industry about products that are make, keeping the area clean collecting the feces collecting the urine and there are many many people uh, there are people in this masjid for example that have uh, uh, ostomy bags and it's a big fitness a big trial but of course done used with the right mindset a positive mindset this is a trial from Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and it is a trial if you remember last time we talked about the issue of of going to the toilet and we did the fiqh of istinja and so on and so forth and we reminded ourselves that you know this is something that evokes smiles and there's a distaste to it yani in studying it in so much detail but also a reflective point of what a mercy is by Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala to allow us actually to go to the toilet and you won't know that until you are unable to go and there are times, for example, when you just have temporary illness, such as a urinary blockage for some reason, because you're taking some kind of medication, for example, or you've got constipation, and you know just how much any pain it can be to, uh, then you appreciate. Now, if you go to the ostomy, then you will, you will, you will make toba, you will. It's like a, it's a real trial, all right? So the ostomy, depending upon where it is, might be an ileostomy or a colostomy, which is in the colon, and so on. And the ostomy, the word ostomy, that refers to the hole on the external surface. It's basically the exit. And the stoma, the word stoma, or even though they're used inter- interchangeably, he has a stoma, my uncle has a stoma, my uncle has, a, has, a, has an ostomy or whatever. The word stoma actually refers to the, basically the cutoff, is it a cutoff point of the actual, uh, the actual uh, organ where it's coming from? So whether that's the anal canal or whether that's the urethra itself. So that's the internal part almost. And then the ostomy is the external part. And bags will be connected and so on. So this happened back then and it happens now. So the question that's being asked is that when a person has one of these on and now you defecate through it, are you defecating? Because you're not going through the back passage and the front passage. Or are you not? You understand now the issue? That's the question at hand. Okay then, so... Um, the majority of the scholars of course and there's very little uh, d- doubt about this is that if uh, 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 feces or urine comes out from any part of the body small or large amount tiny or whatever wherever it comes out from the body for whatever reason if it's feces and it's urine, it breaks the wudu. Because the actual coming, because the issue is the coming out of the actual najasa, which is the thing which is breaking the wudu. This is the position of the majority of the scholars. There are some of the, the ulama, as Shaykh Uthameen says, that if the exit point, the ostomy, is above the stomach, above the stomach, then it doesn't break the wudu, and if it is below in, or including the stomach, then it does break the wudu. You might think, what's the practical point of that? Well, I'd like to maybe ask doctors if there is a, an ostomy higher. Is it by nature the ostomy has to be connected to the intestine, right? So there's no point. 
Right. So the reason they're making, so you might say, well, what's the point of differentiate, differentiating? If the only ostomy is stomach related, why are they making the point? They're making the point to cover for vomiting. So they're basically saying we divide the body into two parts. Everything which is below stomach and below stomach, this is now waste product based. And therefore, it is going to be treated as like coming out from the, uh, the front and back and it breaks the wobble. Anything which is above the stomach, then they not, don't break the wobble. Now, this needs to be discussed because it's now talking about vomiting. And there are a number of scholars that consider that vomit, okay, breaks the, 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 the wobble. And when you look at vomit, vomit can be classified into a number of things, but it's also a waste product. Okay, it's not like, you know, well, you see, the problem is, of course, is that when you vomit, it's... It's waste product to you. It's waste product to the layman. When you look at it, it's, it stinks and it's horrible and whatever. But actually, there's a lot of goodness left in there that the body still needs to take away. Am I right? So it's not waste, isn't it? It's not technical waste. The body hasn't finished with it yet, has it? It's still going to take a lot more fluid from it. still going to take a lot more glucose, XYZ, whatever from it. And then when it goes further down the intestine, then it's going to become waste, isn't it? So as it catches... Uh, when you vomit... It is not actual technical waste. Ah, is it a ziyada? Is it something extra and above and beyond what you would need at that time? Well, technically it could be because when it comes out, it doesn't cause any kind of problem, doesn't cause any kind of deficiency. So anyway, let's have a look at what Sheikh uh, uh, says. He says that this, this statement, this position of the scholars that says that everything above the stomach, it uh, does not... Uh, Break the wudu, okay? This is the position, Shaykh Uthameen says, the position of Ibn Aqil. Ibn Aqil is a name that you will have heard before and you will hear again many times. Ibn Aqil, Ibn Aqil, alayhi rahmatullah, he passed away in the year 513 Hijri. He's one of the major scholars of the Hanbali Madhab, okay? One of the big imams, one of the sources, one of the references that you'd go back to. This one, this man is ajib, by the way. He was he's Iraqi, he's Baghdadi, and... Um, he was the teacher of Ibn al-Jawzi. Okay? Ibn al- not, uh, not Ibn Qayyim al-Jawziyyah, but Ibn al-Jawzi, Abu al-Fajr ibn al-Jawzi. Okay? He is uh, the Hanbali scholar and the Hadith scholar. So he's a great, great, great scholar. And he wrote a book. You know, you know let me tell you something. Yeah? He, they, they used to say about him that he, he's, uh, uh, he was like really time conscious. He wouldn't waste any time on anything. The stories that you read about him, remember reading about him? Uh, uh, when it comes to eating. When it comes to eating, he would choose food specifically that would have less kind of uh, things that would require around it. For example, he would avoid messy foods because you'd have to wash your fingers more. He would avoid dry foods because you'd have to keep sipping water in between. So he would choose a food that is eaten very, very quickly because of time. And you know, you know where that time went. He produced a book called, he has a book called Al-Funun. Al-Funun. Funun basically translates into, I don't know, the arts. The arts. The arts yeah, the sciences, the arts, like the subjects. Yeah, the arts. I like the arts. Yeah, the arts. So basically writing about everything. And he did write about everything. 800 volumes. 800 volumes. Can you believe that? 800 volumes? And you know, Ibn Rajab, Ibn Rajab al-Hanbali, the student of Sheikh Islam Ibn Taymiyyah, he said, he said, I myself seen 400 of them. Ibn Rajab said, years later, I've seen 400 of these 800 volumes. Don't know where the rest are. 
And this here and there, I don't know, I don't know, I mean, and you'll often hear him quoted. He's a, a, an authority in the madhab. So in the madhab, there is this position. In the humbly madhab, there's this position that above, no problem, doesn't break wudu, below, it does. Okay, and Sheikh Uthameen himself is happy this. He goes, وَهَذَا قَوْلٌ جَيِّدٌ He goes, I like this position. Okay, he goes, the reason I like this position is that if a person, he, he, uh, he is sick, okay, then according to the majority of the scholars, we don't consider him to have broken wudu anyway. So we know that from the basic uh, 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 opinion from the scholars. And he goes, this is the strongest opinion. And it is. This is the position of Imam Abu Hanifa. Uh, rahmatullah. It's the position of Imam Shafi'i. And this is the position of Imam Ahmed bin Hanbal as well. So the three Imams out of the four, that's their position. That a person who vomits does not break wudu. Imam Malik famously, person who, makes, who, who, does wudu, uh, who vomits has to make his wudu again. But according to the majority of scholars, no you don't. Alright. Um, but the Hanbali Madhab, the Hanbali Madhab has a little position on uh, uh, vomiting. They said if the vomiting is a huge amount, a huge amount, large amount, then it does break the wudu. We're going to come back to this point in a minute. So small amounts are not, and large amounts are. Now you're going to obviously ask what's small, what's large. We're going to talk about that in a second. Okay, right. Um, obviously, Sheikh Uthameen, he makes a point here. He goes, what is exempted from this discussion is that which is continuous, i.e. incontinence. So we are talking about normative movements. We are talking about I need to go to the toilet and now it will come out via this. I'm in control. So I don't want you to think just because you have an ostomy, is that true? Are you in complete control of your ostomy? No. Not always. So it can be then. Meaning that it's not something which happens all the time. If you have an ostomy, you have a continuous. Right. If you have a colostomy, you have some control. You have some control. Good. So there we go. We know therefore there are certain times that you will have control. If you have control, then it's like just like going to the toilet. That's fine. If you have incontinence and it is happening all the time and uh, it's coming out whatever and you're out you, you don't have control then this has a complete different rule altogether i've written a detailed article about this you can find that on the on google and you just type in incontinence abu isa <laughs> i need to find a different way of uh, of explaining that the amount of people that i've said that to yeah and then i think to myself i either say abu isa incontinence and then i think okay i better give a different one in the title the problem is that the in the other one is uh, it, it is the other one is what Abu Isa incontinent or incontinent Abu Isa the other one is vaginal bleeding yeah Abu Isa which is not also not a very nice title and the other one I think is irregular vaginal bleeding meaning that I'm not getting any love from any of the titles so I just stick with incontinent Abu Isa khalas you know what I mean my ego is my ego is shattered brother I I don't have ego problems that's the difference you see. Well, he's saying continent, no problem. You'll find it there. All right. So we talk about that. We're going to cover that later on anyway in the fiqh book. But the point here is that if you are incontinent, then you do not break wudu. Incontinence does not break wudu. And that is my position. And I'm glad to see Sheikh Uthameen support that. Although he's supporting it in a different way. But let me just make that clear. You will have to make wudu in a different manner. But we're talking about the concept of technically does being incontinent break wudu? Answer is no. Anyway, listen carefully. Sheikh says that the text, okay, the text here, how do we get rid of that thing, Shaz? Man, it's blocking my thingy. Um, you don't, can't. you can't. Anything, I'm going to have to guess now. What are we gonna, can you see that? Are you seeing the box? No, no, you can't. It's up there. It's on the thing. Can you see the box? Yeah. No. Oh, me, yeah. All right. Any amount of urine or feces. He only said urine or feces. 
So the question is, what if, okay, uh, what, if you, if you follow this position clearly, then it means that if wind came from the ostomy, wind, then what? It won't break wudu. It will not break wudu. If we stick to the apparent meaning of what he said. Okay? Even if it has a bad smell. This is an interesting point. He goes, Even if it has a bad smell, uh, then it will not break the wudu. And that's the position of the Hanbali Madhab. Hanbali Madhab position is that wind that comes from an ostomy does not break the wudu. Other scholars, they said that it does break the wudu. Okay? And the reason they said is because that the, the, the uh, simple qiyas, simple analogy, that the opening is the same as the opening below. So the opening uh, of the stomach or the ostomy is to be treated like the back passage. So anything that comes through it, then it, it, it breaks the wudu. Okay? And... The, the reality, of course, okay, is that we require more evidence uh, than that. I'll tell you where it becomes interesting. Here's where it becomes interesting. He goes, Sheikh says, okay, that those people who said that they're the same, yes, even they themselves said that there's a difference. Can anyone think of a difference? In terms of, you know, so you remember, yeah, we, we studied in year two, right? That when you want to make, when you, when you want to make an analogy, to make a legal analogy, you got to make sure that there's some parameters that are there. That they got to share the same reason, they got to sh- share the same characteristics, their illa, the fara, the hukam, everything. You need to go back and revise, obviously, <laughs> these points. But you need to compare these points, and if they're there, if you can match them exactly, then we can go ahead and make the analogous fatwa. So the question is, if this person says that no, wind through the ostomy breaks wudu because the ostomy is like the back passage, Yes, we to challenge that, we need to say no, it's not because. So who can challenge it? The 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 the, the feces comes through it, okay. So that's the same. The urine comes through it, that's the same. Uh, yeah, urine. The wind comes through it, that's the same. Are there any other issues that are related to the back passage Islamically that we can attest? What? Gosh, that's a bit extreme. Okay, we'll leave that one. No. Forget what he said because you don't want to hear what he said. Anyway, go on. The back passage yep. sinks it the muscle. So if you were going to pass the wind, you can almost stop it, but you couldn't do it in this situation. Is that true? Yeah. True? Something. Impossible? Impossible to control wind, huh? Eh? Yeah. No, sorry. Impossible to control wind, I mean. To control? So there you go, that's the same. Allah alam about that, whether they can, but I mean, that's what it seems. The answer is in touching it. So there's, of course, we know that in terms of touching your front and back passage, okay, there's a big discussion on whether there's a break with or not, yes? And we talked about that briefly, and it will come later as well, okay? Whether one is wearing a glove, a, a barrier, or whether touching it with bare skin, whether it's the front of the hand, the back of the hand, these are issues that are going to now become clear. And the main thing, of course, whether there's desire or no desire. And you're going to see in our talk position, when we get to it, that the touching of these private parts 
without desire is something which does not break wudu. But that's by the side. What we need to ask is that if we were to assume that it does break wudu, follow that opinion, then if you were to touch your ostomy, would that break wudu? A clean ostomy I'm talking about, not a dirty one. I'm not talking about touching najasa. By the way, just so that we're clear, if you touch najasa, does it break your wudu or not? No, it doesn't. We talked about that for a long time. Yeah, Touching najasa itself does not necessarily break your wudu. You've got to clean your hands, obviously, but it doesn't break your wudu. It doesn't ruin your ritual state of ablution. All right? So, um, oh, yeah. Touching a? Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, no, we're not going to cover that now. We're not going to cover that now. Yeah, yeah. So, 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 this is the same masala. Correct, but we're not going to we're not going to come to it now. But as, as we said, touching without desire is something which does not break wudu. That's our position, the position of Imam Hanifa, of course. Um, but we'll come to that later. Um, there's lot, lots of details. So I want you to know that Sheikh Uthameen he is leaning towards that the wind that comes out of an ostomy does not break wudu. Wind that comes out of an ostomy does not break wudu, and I'm very happy to support that position. Okay, very so happy to support that position. Um, the next statement, uh, the, uh, or anything, what is it? Or large amounts of filth which exits from other parts of the body. Large amounts of filth which exits from other parts of the body. So, what are we talking about? We're talking about, so that means that by, um, what's the mafhum al-mukhalifah, what does that mean? By yeah, that that basically means that feces does not need to be large. Yes, if you look at it backwards. Yeah. And it exits from any other part of the body, and does not need to be large. I mean, this is it's just a, it's just, a, it's just a, a reading it a different way. Anyway, so. So what we're talking about now, we're talking about now uh, anything else that comes from the body, all right, which is najis and which is large amounts. Let's now try and understand what that means. Large amount means what? Large, when we, are, when we, when we hear a concept in sharia and we have no evidence to show what that quantity is, then we have a principle, as Sheikh has said in his translation, he's put a poem in, وَكُلُّ مَا أَتَى وَلَمْ يُحَدَّدْ بِالشَّرْعِ Meaning everything which one is, uh, uh, anything which presents itself and has not been specified in the Sharia, such as the hirs. Hirs is like, um, hirs is like, um, uh, you know, ta'wil, you know, ta'wiz, yep, and the Quran and so on, okay, and the manner of the way the Quran is carried. It's like a pouch that carries things, all right? This is, it's an example in fiqh, okay? It is therefore by the urf of the people that specifies it. So what's the basic summary of the poem, of the line? That anything which the sharia does not specify, the custom of the people specifies. The custom of the people, urf. And urf, of course, our customs, our traditions, is very powerful in sharia. In the absence of sharia, it becomes the law. It becomes the law. Now, it's very important to say that that's not the individual person. It's the people. It's a general societal norm. That's the kind of phrase you should understand it. The general societal norm. So when we say kathir, okay, we mean kathir according to the people. Not an extreme in those group, that group of people. It's a control group of normal people. So for example, blood. 
okay? When we talk about blood, if we assume that blood is najis, and we will for the sake of argument, okay? For the sake of argument, blood is najis. What has the, what will break wudu? A large amount. A large amount. Now, if we say, right, sir, can you tell us what a large amount is? And sir is a surgeon, okay? Who's used to seeing you know, the whole th- himself and the whole you know, theater caked in blood. You look at this guy and he's had his arm chopped off thinking, ah, that's all right, yeah. I've got to, you know, I think we can do something there. Yeah, yeah, bit of dab, this, that, whatever. You know, you're not going to ask him. And if you go, you, know, you, go, you go, all right, madam, have a look at this, okay? Obviously, don't want to play to any sexist stereotype or anything like that. Yeah? But she goes, whatever, yeah? And we're talking like, you know, a little, little pimple, yeah? That's just been thinking. It's a little bit of blood come out and she faints. We're not going to use her either, are we? Because that would be crazy. You don't use the extremes. You're using a normal person, normal guy, normal kind of woman, just looks at a scenario and says, right, you know what, we can get that cleaned up. That's not a major issue. Hold it under the tap. It's not whatever. And there's a, there's, there's a point. Everyone knows it. There's a point where you see that much blood and you think, you know what, I think we better just go to A&E and that might need a couple of stitches. It might need this, might need that. It's a, hu- it's a normative scenario. If you're going to say to me, People are going to differ. I say, I know people are going to differ. Which is why you take a general average of what people... And people generally are reliable like that. People generally agree that something's doable, something's okay, and something's not okay. And so that's what we're talking about when we say kithir. A large amount. And that also means something small as well. That also means when we say small, when we're talking small, we mean small according to the people. Whenever we use this phrase according to the people, it's the the generality of the people. All right. So... Um, so what does he say? Okay, and he says that it needs to be uh, uh, najis other than those two items, uh, other than those two substances, i.e. urine and feces. So any najis other than that. So what is uh, uh, what are we talking about then? We're talking about every other, uh, every other thing which is najis. Therefore, everything which is pure that comes from the body is no problem, such as sweat, Sweat is pure. That was a great uh, answer last week, though. Someone said that the that the uh, what about sweat that has urine, uh, nitrogen, or urea in it, whatever, which was good fiqh to be honest. But ulta fiqh, yani, upside down fiqh. Huh? So that so that's no problem. Sweating is no problem. What else isn't a problem? Spits, for example. Someone spitting yani for the country, yeah, right. That's going to be no problem. Someone's on one of those, you know. I don't know, he's on a mission, yeah, to just spit all the way. And uh, tears, which is, you know, tears. Snot the same. Yeah, thank you for, Yanni, just bringing that right back down to where it should be. We love that, Yanni. I said, we always miss you, Yanni, and your mashallah. Yeah, so the tears, okay, that's another example. So these, in whatever quantity, does not break the wudu at all, okay? Um, so what then are we then looking at? Okay, well, according to a number of the scholars, this will include therefore blood, vomit, pus, and um, what's 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 the technical phrase for um, your white blood cell fluid, fluid other than pus when it's very watery? Yes. Se- serum. Serum. Yeah. So something like that, all right? There are, there are a number of ulama that consider these four or five products to be impure, najis. And therefore, these themselves, when they come out, they take that 
uh, they take that ruling. If they come out in a large amount, this is the humbly position, large amount and impure, it breaks the wudu. Okay? Blood, pus, vomit, um, Yep, and that, that discharge, discharge is pus, isn't it? Yeah. But it's large amounts, remember, large amounts, not small amounts. And when you say what's large, what's small, back down to the urf of the people. And so small amount, insignificant amount, is something which is not whatever, and something which the people say, gosh, that's a lot, you know, then, then that's the, uh, the, uh, uh, that's the uh, thing. Shaz, what's happening to the computer? You okay there, yeah? Mm-hmm. Sure, okay. Um, should we call that now? Should we call that? If you want to know If you want to know why they, they say that Okay I'll just mention the quick evidence Is why the people They say that everything that comes out Breaks wudu Okay Such as vomit and blood And this and that Because firstly in the hadith number one The Prophet ﷺ, He vomited And he broke his fast And he made wudu Okay He vomited He broke his fast And he made wudu and this hadith is narrated by Imam Abu Dawood in the chapter of Psalm, hadith 2381. Narrated by Imam At-Tirmidhi as well, and Imam An-Nasai as well, and Ibn Khuzayma, and Ibn Hibban. Ibn Mandah, he said that this hadith is a continuous, authentic, this hadith has a continuous, authentic chain. Continuous, authentic chain. It's a statement of an alim. He didn't say the hadith itself is authentic. It's not wanting to put a stamp on the hadith. Remember again, hadith is two parts, the chain and the text itself. Sometimes when they're not sure about what the text is trying to say, they'll just look at the Senate and just deal with the Senate and say, we'll leave that text for the fuqaha to deal with. But the chain itself is, yeah, I'm good, we're good with that. Ibn Hajar, he also, subhanAllah, subhanAllah, this is the fiqh, okay? Ibn Hajar said, hadith qawiyul isnad. He goes, this is a narration that has a strong chain. You can see straight away when a person is moving away from the, the text and he wants to kind of distance himself from putting himself in a, a responsible position having to deal with the text. Happy to deal with the, the chain because that's easy. I can see the people, make the connections. Yeah, I'm happy with that. But again, going further and trying to explain the hadith, that's hard work. So he goes, um, uh, uh, that's hadith al uh, Then later on in a different place, he said, this is an authentic hadith. And so therefore he's thrown his hat in a ring and he said that this hadith is to be acted upon. And, and the second reason, the second evidence that they use, all right, the second uh, uh, evidence that they use is that these are extras from the body. They are al-fadalat, meaning that they are, they are extra. What's ex- excess? Excess. Excess products. And that's why it came out. And the shabah, the, the, the analogy is to be made with waste products. So excess products are being analogized to waste products, which is why they consider that the one who's sick is like someone who's defecating or urinating according to their position, and therefore it takes, their, it takes the, the ruling that it, it uh, uh, comes out. And, and uh, there have to be large amounts. But exactly, that's what I was just making sure. Sheikh Uthameen says, although we've got to say that at the same time, the analogy is like an like incomplete one. 
They're making the analogy that it's like urine and feces, but they're saying that, that a small amount of, of vomit is not going to break the wudu, which is not a complete term. That's, the, that's not a complete analogy. They're saying only a large amount. So you can see where Shaykh Uthameen himself is moving to. He's moving to the position which is the opposite, that said that it doesn't. And this is the class position. And this is the position of a Shafi'i. This is the position of Imam al-Shafi'i. And this is the position of al-Fuqaha al-Sab'a. Al-Fuqaha al-Sab'a. You know, subhanAllah, who knows who the seven uh, Fuqaha are? I, I've always called this the Magnificent Seven. Okay, the Magnificent Seven. This is what I was telling you about, who I, which I taught seven, eight years ago. We taught this seven, eight years ago. You know, if you can get... Alhamdulillah, someone yani, by their generosity has given us some... Anyone gets any names, they get... Prizes. Points with prizes. No, answers wins prizes. So, okay, I'll tell you what. To start everyone off, online, if you get it right and you see me over the next couple of weeks or months, come up to me and say, I've got it right, I'll give you something. No problem. Okay? Right. Let me just do my own little bit of... Uh... Shut up, man. Don't judge. Don't judge. Do not judge me. That's my, that's my new yani, rule now. I don't want anyone to judge me in anything. Alright. Okay then. Who can tell me even a little bit about Al-Fuqaha Sabah? What is the, the seven, the magnificent seven? Can you believe that we have that a phrase, magnificent seven? Isn't that amazing? And you know, the, 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 the ajib thing is, of course, is that our seven, our seven, right? They're real people, real heroes. I will lie, when you look at the, the life around us and the kind of the... the, the I don't want to just keep saying Western, Western, blame everything on the Muskeen West, but the kind of type of world that we live in, they have to create these kind of, you know, fake bakwas, you know? And people that were very romantic or very kind of dashing or some nonsense, yeah, some bakwas, yeah? Whereas our seven were true champions, true heroes. Like, and subhanAllah, like that, that boy, the Syrian boy. Who's not seen the Syrian boy who saved his sister? Put your hand up if you've not seen it. My God, you guys are missing out. Okay, I'm going to show you right now afterwards, all right? I'm going to show you something, Wallahi, that the movie people, they couldn't make up themselves. You know, they have the, the movies make up these kind of heroes, isn't it? They sit there, they pay screenwriters and, and whatever, whatnot, to sit there and come up with a great trailer or a great storyline. And, you know, they, and we watch it and it's like, oh my God, amazing. And subhanAllah, we have hundreds upon thousands of real life heroes that are doing it every day. No need for Hollywood, no need for no clever kind of slogans or lines. Real heroes. That kid, he just... Qasim, Allah, Qasmi, what he did, Wallah boggles the mind. Boggles the mind. Go into that fire, pretend that he's been shot, go down, love the way he went down. <laughs> he went down proper, and then subhanAllah, wait a couple of seconds, let the fire yani, stop, then go and grab his sister, and off he goes, Whoa, what? What are you watching, Yara? You know? So, Al Fuqaha Sabah is also a real-life Magnificent Seven. Was Magnificent Seven a film with the, the Yul Brynner? And, yeah, yeah, okay. Yeah. So it was a gunslinging uh, Magnificent Seven. Go around, yeah, yeah. Okay, that's old school. Huh? Nope, nope, nope. Who's, who can tell me anything about them? Let's close the lesson on this. Solange is killing it, yeah? Solange, slow down, Solange, man. Just copy and pasting, yeah? Solange, you're disqualified. When we see Solange is coming at Um Summit, I know, okay? And now you have to give us chocolate, you're disqualified. What's copying and pasting? Where's the fiqh? Where's the ilm? Where is the, where's the, where's the thingy, huh? So anyone going to tell us anything about Fuqaha Sabah? 
I'll give more than I'm just holding this up as a namuzaj, yani, as an example. I'll give more, don't worry. This time I'm not going to give out these sweets. Because last week I was generous, I was opening party, I gave it out to everyone. I don't know why I have to do it this time. This is my what? This is my haqqi halal, man. Shut up, yara. Okay. I'm not that generous. <laughs> Two times in a row sharing. So anyone going to tell me anything about these seven fuqaha? Other than people who are online and copying and pasting? No? They were very good. Well done. Nice. Good. Nope. But it was good. Good, 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 good. A good guess. They are all Medinan, yes? <laughs> they knew how to speak fluent Arabic, yeah? Right, right. MashaAllah. MashaAllah. Fuqaha, yani. It's not, we're just, we're just, we're not, that's like saying, yeah, the day has 24 hours in it. And what? It's just a fact, isn't it? Anyone? I'm going to tell you a little poem, yeah, so that you don't make, make sure you do not forget it. All right? Anyway, the key, the key, the key is, uh, anyway, this is a nice poem. إِذَا قِيلَ مَنْ فِي الْعِلْمِ سَبْعَةُ أَبْحُرٍ رِوَايَتُهُمْ لَيْسَتْ عَنِ الْعِلْمِ خَارِجَهُ فَقُلْ هُمْ عُبَيْدُ اللَّهِ عُرْوَةُ قَاسِمٌ سَعِيدٌ أَبُو بَكْرٍ سُلَيْمَانُ خَارِجَةٌ This is a poem, it's a, it's a famous couplet basically. If it is said, إِذَا قِيلَ مَنْ فِي الْعِلْمِ سَبْعَةُ أَبْحُرٍ If it is said to you, who are the seven in, in, in if it is said in knowledge, who are the seven oceans? That their narrations on anything never come, never go out of the knowledge. Yani, whatever they say is, is Islam, basically. Anything and everything that they say, is, it, it's Islam. It's, it's, it's the haqq. Okay? Then say to them, they are Ubaidullah, Urwa, Qasim, Sa'id, Abu Bakr, Sulaiman, and Kharija. Okay? So I just so for your own benefit, okay, write these names down. These are names Wallahi that you should know. Okay? These are all tabi'in. First of all, they are all tabi'in. What is tabi'i? Tabi'i is someone who met uh, and sat with the companions. They died upon Islam. They have high status. And these are people that the Prophet ﷺ told us are the best of people. So they need to be followed. Okay? And they are the precursors of the of the uh, Maliki Madhab. Actually, all of the Madhahib, all right? But the Maliki Madhab, they really took a lot from these seven. And like remember Zuhri and Rabi'a, they studied underneath them. These seven, they took all of their knowledge from people like Sayyidina Umar, like Sayyidina Abdullah ibn Mas'ud, from Abdullah ibn Umar, from the major companions. They are the top scholars that we have in our religion. Okay? So the first one is Ubaidullah ibn Abdullah ibn Utba, okay? Ibn Mas'ud. So his name is Ubaidullah ibn Abdullah ibn Utba ibn Mas'ud. Alayhi rahmatullah. And Urwa, everyone should know. Urwa ibn Zubair ibn al-Awwam. He is the son of the great companion uh, Zubair ibn al-Awwam. Radiyallahu ta'ala anhu. He passed away in 94 Hijri. These are all passing away in 90, 95, 100, 105 Hijri. All seven, they were living at the same time and they passed away roughly in that time. Yeah, the sons of the, of 
Some asans, yes, some asans. Okay, so Urwa is for example. And Qasim ibn Muhammad ibn Abu Bakr al-Siddiq. Excellent. Qasim is the grandson of Sayyidina Abu Bakr al-Siddiq, the nephew of Aisha. So that's the third one. Qasim ibn Muhammad ibn Abu Bakr al-Siddiq radiallahu ta'ala anhu. The fourth is most famous of them in the terms of scholarship. Sa'id. Sa'id. Ibn al-Musayyib. Very good. Sa'id ibn al-Musayyib, the Imam of Tabi'in. 93 Hijri he passed away for your own information. The, the sixth, the fifth, sorry, is Abu Bakr ibn Abdurrahman ibn al-Harith. Abu Bakr ibn Abdurrahman ibn al-Harith. And then the sixth is Suleiman ibn Yasar. Suleiman ibn Yasar. That's the sixth. Suleiman ibn Yasar. And number seven, the final one is Kharija, the son of Anyone? If anyone gives this, I'll give them 20 sweets. Yes, a blag, you're reading it off the thingy. Right? Right. Anyone who didn't hear Amjad, Kharija, who's the seventh, is the son of? No, is the son of? He's the son of Zayd ibn Thabit, the scribe of the Prophet. So we're talking major big players, yeah? Anyway, we can close on that because uh, we've overgone our lesson. We had a big break in the middle. Don't, don't hate, yani, you know, we didn't really. So, anyway, alhamdulillah. So, uh, I just want to say that the seven fuqaha of Sabah, the fuqaha Sabah, and of course, Shafi'i, and a number of other scholars, they said, no, this does not uh, break the wall. But we'll, come on, we'll discuss that next week properly in detail. But I did want to tell you that. Any immediate questions, guys? Anything? Uh, yes, Yusuf. So many. Uh, Yusuf is asking this idea of going back to custom. What does it apply in? It must be applying in more than just blood and stuff. Answer is so many things, actually. Too big a question. Dress. Halal and haram, according to the people. Amount uncovered, for example, in salah. Little amount uncovered, large amount uncovered. Distances, as you mentioned, in travel. Measurements that you measure. Zakat measurements. Um, Sadaqa measurements, for example. Weight, quantity. Amount of water, for example, to make wudu from. Like in year one. Actually, so many things. So many things. There are some rules. It's a very, very detailed area of fiqh. Yeah. You said before that to pass something like a stone. If that's the case, then done. The question is basically, if a stone was to go through, for example, the anus, then it would almost definitely be covered in feces. And so, as we said, what did we say? What's the ruling? Any amount of feces that comes from the back package, back passage, Back package, <laughs> back passage. Okay, it is naqd al wudu. It is invalidating the wudu. Okay, um, and some people have. Uh, you see, this is the problem. This is the problem when you copy paste. You see, some people have been copying pasting, and they've got some. Uh, they've got, for example, um, Abu Salam ibn Abd Rahman ibn Auf, and we also have Salim ibn Abdullah ibn Umar. Salim is the son of Abdullah ibn Umar ibn al-Khattab, who was one of the major ulama. 
And some people did make him as one of the seven of the fuqaha. And they took out... Who did they take out? They take out... No. Yes, correct. They take out Qasim, correct. They, take out, they, they, they swap Qasim for Salim. So there are some differences amongst the scholars. But the seven which are agreed upon by the majority of the scholars are the seven that we said. Rabaidillah, Qasim, Sa'id, um, uh, Kharija, Urwa ibn Zubair, and... Did we miss? I said Kharija, Sulaiman ibn Yisar. Okay? Sulaiman ibn Yisar. So um, those are the main... Those are the main, uh, those are the main. Right. Um, what else? As, as I said, don't get too caught up by the whole uh, blood issue. We're going to talk about blood in detail later, okay? I've given you different opinions on that issue of, of, of what's going on. Um, anyway, you know what it is? People are now giving you too much thingy, so khalas. We'll answer these questions online. I will myself personally. If there's anything else, then we'll cover that later. No problem. Jazakumullahu okay. khaira. Any, anything, anything important? Edmonton, people in Edmonton, Alberta, I'll see you guys next week. Lesson will be there, locally transmitted. And that's about it. Jazakumullahu khaira. We apologize for uh, Shazad stepping on the wrong cable. Shazad, you ran on the wrong cable. Subhanakallah. Alhamdulillah. 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 Alhamdulillah.